Father God, this morning we remember you. We remember your sacrifice. Lord, we remember the life and your death and your resurrection. That, Lord, we can sing this morning. This is our song, the song of the redeemed. Because, Lord, we have tasted your sacrifice in our life, on our behalf. Lord, this morning I pray that you would bless the reading of your word and bless these who come this morning to make today a priority. That, Father, you would be glorified and that, Jesus, you would be remembered for giving us your life. And that because we have a relationship in Jesus Christ, we can commune and have fellowship this morning in the very presence of God. So we ask, Holy Spirit, lead us this morning. I pray that you would convict us of anything in our life that doesn't look like you this morning. The Father, how you would have us changed, how you'd have us grow. The Lord, perhaps this morning you would just light a fire inside in us, a passion to love you better, to love you first, to love you most this week. Father, thank you. This morning, we've come into your presence in your house. Have your way, Lord, in the next few minutes as we spend time in your word. We ask it for the glory of Jesus Christ, to the glory of the Father. Amen and amen. So glad you're here this morning. If you have the word of God, I would invite you to take and turn to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 6, we are landing the plane of the sermon series called the Magnum Opus. For the last 10 weeks, we've been walking through the Sermon on the Mount and how the Lord has been giving us great direction and insight to how to live the kingdom ethic, what it is to live this world, this life that would bring him glory. It looks different than how the world has, so to speak, projected on us how we're supposed to live and what success looks like and how to, how to spend our time And now we sense that the God is, uh, in Matthew 6, giving us clear direction for the body of Christ, for the church, those who have true fellowship in the Son, Jesus Christ. And so we land uh, the plane, and we're kind of ending the series here in the next few weeks, and as we think about the the last part of chapter 6, we're going to be thinking about really from verses 19 through 34, Uh, but this morning I want us to think about verse 33. Verse 33 talks about kind of the summation of all of the gospel as it concerns the Sermon on the Mount. Because it talks about us refocusing all of our mind and our heart and our energy on the things that are of God. And we sense that the Bible teaches here in verse 33, to seek first God's kingdom and to seek first God's righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. And we think about what are all these things. And we talk about uh, the, the worry. This passage is really kind of in a context of worry. A context of, well, what about if things don't work out so well? Or what about, Lord, if I trust you in these things, how, 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 will, this follow, how will this follow in my life? And so Jesus is kind of explaining in this passage, it's, it's important for you to keep your focus on God that does not move, even when you're living in life, on this earth, and circumstances that move all the time. They're always changing. And there's very little certainty in this world. 
And so God in this, in this passage is really talking about the kingdom economy. We're moving from the idea of the kingdom ethic, how to live my life for the glory of God, but how do I spend my resources, the kingdom economy, and how do I do that in such a way that gives God great glory and builds his kingdom? So this morning we're talking about investment. And as you and I know, that investment really speaks of some risk, right? If you're, if you're managing your portfolio on the stock market, one of the first questions is asked is, how, how big is your risk tolerance? Are you able to tolerate a lot of risk? You have a lot of leeway if things don't go well. Or as you get older and closer to retirement, your, your risk tolerance shrinks. You're trying to save and have something more, more certain. But anytime we talk about investment, we're truly talking about risk. Some things don't always work out the way we plan. Have you ever made a bad investment in your life? Have you poured money into uh, different companies? Or, or maybe you thought the, there was property that was valuable that didn't work out so well? Bad investments? You think about Enron and WorldCom and people who gave their life savings and trusted their investment to these companies and ultimately didn't pan out. A lot of risk. My sweet wife uh, was raised in a godly home and, and one of the ways they chose to honor God with their body was they chose not to have any sugar in the house. I think Jennifer's father was hypoglycemic. And so when I met Jennifer, not only did I think she was beautiful, I thought she was a weirdo because, you know, she didn't have sugar. She didn't ever eat sugar. And I'm like the donut king of, you know, of Tennessee, right? I mean, it's like what I do. I eat sugar, right? And so when we met, we had a kind of a, a collusion of worlds, kind of this, you know, marital, premarital, you know, issue. How do, how do we do with sugar in the house? Because that's not an issue for me, dear. Um, so anyway, when she was growing up, she talked about the times in her life when ultimately she would uh, have sugar or find sugar and seize the day, seize the moment, right? Carpe diem, when she found a little stash of sugar somewhere, you know, it could be a two-year-old uh, Halloween candy stuff, but she found it, right? So, so she talks about the investment of her parents when she was a brownie and the brownie sold Girl Scout cookies. And as she was uh, going to Girl Scout cookies, she said, but please, mom, this is part of our troop. We've got to sell these cookies. And they go, all right, we're trusting you. You're a young, responsible lady. You have to sell this many, and then you've got to, you've got to collect the money. And so she finally ordered it, and she got all the boxes in. And she said she remembers taking them to her bedroom, and she put them in her closet to keep them safe. You see where this is going. My sweet bride, when she was eight years old, sugar-starved. She laid in bed and just called to her name. Samoas. Thin mints? Are you kidding me? So she opened the closet and she says, in a single sitting, she ate 10 boxes of cookies as an eight-year-old. And I keep thinking, I'm, I'm picturing this, you know, chocolate and stomach ache. And, you know, she's, and so she, she, she remembers having to pay, pay the piper, right? When, when the time came to collect the money and give the money for the boxes and we're missing 10 boxes worth of money and she remembers having an investment lesson that was a poor investment model for her parents, trusting her in the moment and putting her faith in someone. And so many times in our relationships, we put our emotional investment in people. And we spend time pouring into them. Pastors often will, will, will categorize and, and, and love on and encourage and, and, and disciple someone through the, the throes of life. And you kind of bleed with them and you love them. And when things get good, then they, they tend to kind of sometimes flake off and they leave. Or they, or they go to another church after all that emotional investment. And that's happened in your life. 
when you poured in to people's lives. And so here is the kingdom economy that Jesus is speaking of. He's saying the more you pour your resources into things of the earth that are only temporal and only physical, the more loss you experience in your life. But the more you start pouring your resources and your things that are really valuable to your life, and you give these things back to God who does not move, who does not change, he says these things become eternal. So we think about what does it mean in the kingdom economy to trust the things of God? In verse 33, Jesus says, Seek first the kingdom of God and seek God's righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. The kingdom principle is that it's eternal. It's a spiritual reality. And the spiritual reality when we seek first the kingdom of God is that God owns it all. It's all his anyway. All of my talents and my abilities and my gifts and the things that I own, the food that I have, everything on this earth belongs to God. The Bible says we're to seek his righteousness, seek the very righteousness of God. If we're going to kind of prioritize what it is to do the things that, that bring God glory and honor in every aspect of our life, it's kind of summarized in verse 33. To seek God. And the kingdom, which is an eternal, a spiritual kingdom, and then the righteousness speaks of God's nature. We're to seek after the very nature of God. And what does that mean? How do we do that? Well, it starts in relationship, right? And the relationship with God is inviting us into his presence. And as we go into the presence of God, we learn about God. We learn about his nature. That's why the book of Revelation is so fascinating and confusing. Because as you read the book of Revelation, you see that we have this description like in Daniel and like in Ezekiel of the, of the unveiling of the very nature of God. And it's so mind-blowing to see in the throne room of heaven what is happening even as we speak. It's glorious, it's majestic to think about the nature of the righteous, holy God. And God invites us into that very presence. He invites us to, to enjoy relationship and that fellowship in his presence. And when that happens, there is life change. There's been moments in your life that things have happened that you are never, ever the same. Ladies, if you've had a baby, that is a life-altering experience. Men, if your team has gone to the Super Bowl, that is a life-altering experience. Is that even? No. Okay, so. But the reality is, when you come into the presence of the mighty, awesome creator, king of kings, the Lord of lords, God Almighty, and he invites us into his presence, everything changes. That's life change. And so he says, seek first the kingdom of God. It's a spiritual reality. We have to take our eyes off of our circumstances and off of the things around us and focus first on God and the spiritual, eternal reality that we call life. And we're to focus on the nature of the righteous God, which is his presence, which speaks of a relationship, which speaks of life change and the beautiful thing is, he says, and then all these things will be added to us. Interesting, because all these things, it's really kind of a generic, right? In the Greek, it's just kind of this generic, and the rest. What is the rest? The rest says basically, and the provisions that God believes you will need, he will provide. 
So my result is to wait on God for his provision and to be content with what God has given me, knowing that God knows what I need before I ask, Matthew 6, 8, right? And knowing that if I'm going to be content in the provision of God, then I find joy, my fulfillment is joy in the relationship, not the things. Because remember, God is the prize. He's what we're seeking after. So I want to ask the question this morning, well, Matthew, how do I practically seek the kingdom of God? How do I do that? What does it mean to seek after the kingdom of God? And I would say this, as you live your life, right, as you walk circumspectly on this earth, as you walk day in and day, you are to look for his kingdom. And you are to pray that God reveal to you his kingdom. And that you are to discern where God is at work and as Henry Blackaby said years ago, you are to look where he's at work and to join him in the work of God. You want to find the kingdom. It's just not any more difficult than seeking after where God is at work. Well, how do we do that? What am I looking for? I think scripture is clear throughout that we're looking for an environment, an opportunity where God's glory can be exalted above all else. So as you're going through your day and through your life and whatever, whatever it is that you do in this life, as you're seeking after the things that will glorify God, you're looking for opportunities where God's glory can be exalted above everything else. In other words, you're looking for needs. You're looking for opportunities where God can show up and have his way in this realm. And you're doing that because you're looking for it and you're praying and you're discerning, God, where are you at work? And you look around and you say, well, there's a lot of needs here. And you say, well, in these great needs, it seems like no one is providing for. This is an opportunity where the glory of God can be exalted above all else as God can provide and meet these needs. Second, where's the potential or where's the greatest potential for life change? Life change is kind of a fancy word for conversion or, or being saved or being redeemed or, or being, being healed and so we talk about life change, we're talking about where God's glory is exalted and people see the glory of God, they're changed and they cannot remain the same. And so we're asking God, Lord, show us, give us your eyes as we go about our life and see where the great needs are, where your glory can be exalted above all others and Father, where, where you can change people's lives. And typically in that culture where life change happens, where can a local body of believers come together and exemplify the things that God speaks in his word? It's interesting because Rock Point is just such a place. We are a local body of believers trusting for God to change lives in us today, this morning. You're not here by accident, by the way. And through our life, as we, as we minister to each other and outside the walls of our church, this is a place that we say, above all else, the glory of God. Above all else, the glory of God. It's not about the pastoral staff. It's not about the great worship. It's not about how awesome our sanctuary or how nice our facilities are. It's got nothing to do with any of those things. It's about the fact that the God's glory is paramount in everything we do and desire at Rock Point Church. It's for his glory. 
And God, as we get on our knees and beg you more for your glory to fall, we know people's lives will be changed and the body will be built up and the local church will impact its community. So I believe that's practically how we see the kingdom of God played out in every local community. So here's the question then. So now that you've found perhaps an area like this, as you prayed and you've looked and you've discerned for an area where God is at work, such as Rock Point Church, then what am I supposed to do with it? We go back to the idea that you're to find the work of God and join the work of God in progress. So what does it mean for you to join the work of God this morning? There's five areas of your life, I pray this morning, that you would open up your heart to. This morning, that you would just let the Holy Spirit do his own work, right? Let's just have a little moment where just you and the Holy Spirit, and it doesn't matter what Matthew Harding says, it doesn't matter what your neighbors hear, it's really a matter of what does the Holy Spirit say through the word of God this morning for you? As we talk about spiritual investment. Because as you find the work of God, and our passion is to join the Lord, we want to join God where he's at work. In these five areas, I've got to stand accountable to what God has called me to. Number one is this. So when I find the work of God, I must invest my time. Time speaks of my priorities, because of my priorities, it's, I am where my priorities are. The Bible says in Ephesians 5, to be careful then how we live, not unwise, but to live wisely, making the most of the time. In the Greek word, it means of every opportunity, because the days are increasingly evil. In the body of Christ, known as Rock Point Church, in this local community called Flower Mound, God is at work, Rock Point. And God is calling you to spiritually invest your time here. This morning you're here. I rejoice with you the fact that you've come this morning. I rejoice the fact that you're here and you're waiting for God to speak. You're waiting for a word from God. You're waiting for the presence of God to come and fall on your life. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you would lead in this moment. Lord, what you would have us take away this morning but we need members and volunteers and people in our church to give continually of their life and their time to be a part of the work of God here locally. Number two, we, we need folks in our body as we come to where the work of God is with us to invest our talents, our abilities, and our passions to get in and to help using the gift set and the reality of who God made you in your life experience and to bring it to the body of Christ and to add value to what God is at work doing here. Like Lego pieces, we are interconnected one with another, each different. If you grew up playing Legos, you had favorite pieces, and some pieces were just the foundational pieces, and some had the, the really cool writing on them. And so you know, it had a variety of, of pieces that came together for this one complete picture to create something really special and unique. And every one of us play a role to use our time and our talents and abilities and our passions 
to move together the things of God. The Bible says in 1 Peter 4 that each of us should use whatever gift we've received. And we should use this gift to serve each other's as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. I tell folks when we meet folks, listen, you have no idea how God will use the pain of your life and the hurdles of your life and the obstacles of your life and the victories of your life to bless and encourage others who will need to be comforted in that moment. And so many of us are afraid to to let people to see into our heart, into our wounds, into our needs, because it's so private, so painful for us. And yet as we release those things to God and say, Lord, you carried us through that for a reason and for a purpose. And though it was hurtful and painful and needful, God, we trust you this morning with what you have in our life. When I find where God is at work, and I join God in the opportunity of work, I invest my time, I invest my talents, Thirdly, I invest my financial resources. The Bible is pretty specific. If you go back to verse 19, here's Jesus speaking on the financial stewardship of what it is to to dive into and to be a part of the work of God. Verse 19 of chapter 6, Jesus speaks clearly, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on this earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves can break in and steal. Rather, store up for yourselves treasures that are in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in or steal. Look at verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For the eye is the lamp of the body. That means your vision, your focus. Where you're directed is where the focus is, and it's the lamp to the light of your body. So then if your eye is clear, your vision is clear, your direction is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad or out of focus or poorly directed, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light is in you in darkness, how great is that darkness? Look at verse 24. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. And God says, you cannot serve both God and wealth. That is an interesting phrase in first century AD as he speaks to a very poor, uneducated, illiterate audience. An oral tradition of the Jews in first century Judaism though there might be some Pharisees there, there may be some Sadducees there, there may have been a few business owners there, But most of the folks, by and large, 90% were the mass, if you will. And the mass had few resources to give. And yet Jesus says to one and to all, if you're going to be serving a master, and by the way, we're talking about the kingdom ethic, right? The kingdom principle is that God owns it all. If we're to seek first God and his kingdom, then the God is our master. He's the master of our resources. He's the master of our life because he owns it all. And we have the right spiritual perspective to put all this in place. That everything I have is already his. And when everything I have is already his, it's not as painful to let go and let God do with his resources in your life that he wants to accomplish because he is at work. And he's called you in to join him. And the work of the kingdom of God right here 
in Flower Mound, Texas. It's interesting because he says, you can only serve one master in your life. If you're divided at heart, you fall. If you're, if you're constricted or, or, or devoted otherwise, the other, the other kingdom falls. And here's Jesus speaking plainly that in our life, God has called us to open all that we have and hold loosely on this earth. There was a millionaire captain, his name was Captain Levy, a few years back, and someone had asked him as a great philanthropist, he gave all this money away. And they came to him in the interview and said, listen, uh, he was once asked, how could he give so much of his wealth to the Lord's work? And he still possessed such great wealth. And the captain replied, oh, as I shovel it out, God keeps shoveling it back in. And by the way, the Lord's shovel is much bigger than mine. Interesting perspective on, I can't outgive God. I cannot outpray the Lord. I cannot outdo. I cannot outserve God. I cannot outgive in my life and my resources. If I'm truly trusting in the kingdom ethic this morning, it should look and be and taste and feel different than what it has been in my life. People say, listen, I, I'm so in debt right now, I, I can't afford to tithe. Even a simple tithe. And if you talk to many financial counselors who are Christians, they would say, listen, on a spiritual perspective, you can't afford not to tithe and to trust God for that. But the beautiful thing is we keep giving and expanding and growing no matter where we're at on that financial spectrum. If you haven't and you want to, and you want to but you're not sure you can, wherever you start, you watch how the Lord will bless that in your life because you're being faithful to seek first the kingdom of God and the things of God and the presence of God and the righteousness of God over against having stability on this earth. Because the rest of the scripture here in uh, verses 25 through 32 speak of that. All those things can go away. There is no true surety in those things. Number four is this. I not only need to invest my time and my talents and abilities and passions and my financial resources, my spiritual investment. I need to invest my prayer life. I need to invest my prayer life where God is at work. We see in Matthew verse eight, or Matthew chapter six, verse eight, go back. He says, Jesus said, don't be like them for your father knows what you need even before you ask him. Yet dot, 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 God has called us to ask him. It's not about informing God of the needs around us. Rather, it's about us actually having the kingdom perspective that God is exalted in every one of our needs. And ultimately, we bow the knee and say, God, would you speak into this needs? And Lord, you have your way, Lord, and you work in such a way that you're glorified and exalted. It's his authority as I acknowledge God. It's his timing as I acknowledge God. It's his provision as I acknowledge God through prayer changes the circumstance. And lastly, number five is this. It's my time and my talents. It's my financial resources. It's my prayer life. But lastly, it's the sharing. It's the investing of his story. That is the gospel. The story of your changed life 
into other people's lives that bring God great glory. If I am discerning where God's at work and God has called me to join him in the work, it's going to cost something from me, a spiritual investment. And that investment is not only my time and my prayer and my passion and my resources financially, it is me being willing to let God's story in my life and through my life be a blessing to others around me. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8, I love this. The Bible says, having such a fond affection for you, we were so pleased to give you not only the gospel of God, but to impart our very lives into you as well. To impart our lives into you. It's with the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ the fact that you have been changed and you have been radically altered, a life change that looks different for the glory of God. And this morning we think about spiritual investment. We think about the needs of what God has called us to. The beautiful thing is the, the results are eternal. God is glorified. Our life is changed personally while through us God is changing others' lives. And you can see yourself in the center of God's will, knowing that in faithfulness, in obedience, even though it costs much to you, God is taking that and bringing it into an eternal reward. The Bible says in Mark 10, 29, Jesus says, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left his house, or his brothers or sisters, or his mother or father, or his children, or farms, finances for my sake and for the gospel's sake, but that he will receive a hundred times as much even in the present age with houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and farms, even though they'll be with persecution. And in this age to come, he gains eternal life. He says, but many who are first will be last and the last will be first. It's a beautiful prospect, the sense that our eternal investment for an eternal reward, that God is preparing us for all that he wants to demonstrate through his glory. And it comes in proportion to our obedience to invest spiritually. Luke 6.38, Jesus says, Give and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. For by the standard of measure that you give, it will be measured to you in return. Martin Luther said, the great Reformation theologian, I have tried to keep the things in my hands, and I have lost them all. But everything that I have given over to God's hands, I still possess. I want us to think about this morning, what are the ways that we give at Rock Point Church in a local way that changes the world? Do you guys realize that as you tithe and you faithfully give of your resources every week or every month, whether you do it in the, in the, in the baskets that comes around, if you give online, as you give of your time, as you pray, as God moves in this moment, as you are faithful stewards and in investment, that throughout the world, we help support, you help support over 5,000 international missionaries through the International Mission Board. One of the things that Southern Baptists have done well throughout the years is they cooperate their monies 
Even though there's no hierarchy of saying we have to believe and do this, we're choosing autonomously as a local church to gather with other churches and to give a portion of our tithe as a church to help global missions. And the largest mission sending agency in the world, the International Mission Board, that has right theology and has a passion for evangelism and a passion for church planning, you help support. 350,000 people last year that we've counted were baptized in some of the most hard countries and the hardest places to reach in the world because you were faithful to give locally to Rock Point Church. Because you give faithfully, you help support our own missionaries, right? We have missionaries in Belize, in Rwanda, Africa, in Romania, in Vancouver. These are folks that have left their seats like you this morning and have gone to plant their lives in those local communities. And because you're faithful to give, Rock Point, they're able to do ministry and evangelize and preach the word of God and love people well in their local context because of your faithfulness in giving. You, because you help give, you support missional partners in Guatemala. And we'll have a chance to go in spring break. And I pray, if God is wrestling in your heart to go, then you and your teenagers, we have a family trip in in spring break in March to go from Flower Mound, two hours to Guatemala. It's not that expensive, less than 800 bucks. And for a week, you can share your life and the gospel and give of your time and your talents to love children, to do construction, to prayer walk, to evangelize. We just want to go love on these people in this village where there's no evangelical work. And because you're faithful to give your money and tithe, we're able to go and see the work of God in Guatemala, in Hades, in Mexico, in India. We'll be leaving for India after Christmas, in Zambia, in Nepal, Dominican Republic, Ecuador, in China, because you give people's lives are being changed across the world. You're sending missionaries by tithing locally. You can go yourself. There's opportunities, as as Brandon mentioned this morning, uh, the international missions are here. We have seven or eight countries for you to be able to go and invest your life spiritually. I would challenge you as you leave this morning to go in the Welcome Center and grab one of those. Start praying about it now. You know what's awesome is we had a family who uh, in this church were praying about going on a Disney cruise, had saved their money, Disney cruise spring break. And as God started working on their life to think about, Lord, what should we do? He let, he let their daughters pray and discern and decide. They said, Dad, we think we should rather use that money to go on a Disney cruise. They would love to go. I like, I like to go on a Disney cruise. That sounds good. But they're going to spend that money and go to Guatemala as a family and invest their spring break into eternity, into lives. Hey, that's something, that's something you can't put a price tag on. That's faithfulness. You can go, you can pray. What's powerful is, think about the local ministries, even right here in our town, locally. Because you help support the church locally, we are able to help both uh, Cornerstone Ministry, the men of Nehemiah that you've seen, and, and that they come and they've been a part of this ministry, and the Chin, the Chin Refugee Ministry. That's brand new to our church, but we need you not only to give, but to go and to serve. We need families to go and be a part of loving folks in the name of Christ Jesus. And because you're faithful to go and do these things, it's possible. Feed the hunger's coming up in a few weeks. And how beautiful is that, that we're going to be able to provide money because you're going to give into that ministry 
we'll be able to provide. And for the first time, we're opening this up to our community to say, if you're lost, if you're not a believer, if you're not part of the church, come and pack with us. And at the end of every one of our sessions, we're going to share the gospel. Listen, it's fun to come together as a community and pack the food and get this ready. And, 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 and we have competition because we're guys, like we're going to pack more boxes than you, those kind of things. We get that. But listen, it's a, it's a huge experience together as a Rock Point church. It's the thing that we do greatest together. And we want to invite the lost of our community into that. As we serve the nations and pack food locally, we want to share the gospel. Would you be faithful to come and sign up and to give? Think about it because you give locally. You give to this church. We're able to baptize boys and girls and men and women because of men's ministry and women's ministry and our children's ministry and our youth ministry because you're faithful to give. God is changing lives. It's the eternal stewardship. It's the eternal principle that your investment truly, truly matters. A few years back, there was a famous political figure. His name was Charles Francis Adams. He took his son fishing one morning and they had nothing to catch. And So in his diary, Charles writes this statement, went fishing with my son today, colon, caught nothing, colon, a day wasted. Interesting because his son, Brooke Adams, also kept a diary. And this was the son's diary entry that morning. Went fishing with my father, colon, the most wonderful day of my life. So we have no idea, no idea how my investment will affect others. But we trust in a God that's big enough to take your investment and to change others' lives. I'll leave with this verse. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, the Bible says, though physical training is of some value, godliness, that's the kingdom of economy, Spiritual investment has value for all things, holding promise both for the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full hearing. That is why we labor and strive, because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially those who believe. This morning, do you believe? Will you trust God with your time? Is God calling you to spend more time into the things that matter to God? And your abilities, your pain, your experiences, your finances this morning? Has he called you this morning to get your prayer life in order, to be a, be a part of the things that matter to God? And that you and your life would be a valuable light to the gospel of Jesus Christ as you tell your story of how God has changed your life. Spiritual investment, eternal reward, glory to God the Father. Let's pray together. Father, thank you in this moment that it's about your glory It's not about money. It's not about the ask. 
Lord, it's not about anything else that is temporal or of this earth. But rather, Father, it's about you having your way in this moment to change us, to conform us into the image of your son, Jesus. That you call us to be holy and you call us to do and be and become like the son who gave everything so generously that the world would have hope. So Father, I pray that our church would not only continue to be faithful to give and to invest spiritually, but God, that you would pour out the blessings upon these who are faithful, who are needful, who are asking you, God, for mercy, that you would have your way in our lives, in this church, in this ministries. God, I pray that you would raise up those in this church to go to go abroad, to go and share the gospel, not only to Dallas and to Louisville, but God, to the the ends of the earth. Lord, they would say yes to you. So God, our answer this morning is, Father, whatever you desire, draw that in us. We lay that on the altar this morning. Our answer is yes. Father God, have your way. 